This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Welcome back to NEC Dance with Kathy Levy. In this second of three episodes, Emily Molnar speaks about the difficult decision of leaving Frankfurt Ballet as she was turning 26 to branch out on her own. After contemplating quitting dance altogether, she chooses to become a principal ballet with Ballet BC, guided by then artistic director John Elaine, where she interprets many roles, including Puck, in the production of The Fairy Queen. Emily talks about her work as an independent choreographer for, among others, Alberta Ballet, Ballet BC, and Cedar Lake Contemporary Ballet, and the tricky process of creating commissions. So where did you go? Well, I knew that John... John Elaine, we're talking. Yes, John mm-hmm. Elaine was um, was at Ballet BC. I mean, the one thing I should say is that when I was in Frankfurt Ballet, I was going to Vancouver at the time to teach creative process classes to kids at Arts Umbrella, which was a lovely school. And it was actually by teaching 10-year-olds to 16-year-olds that I was able to, in some way, digest in a different way what I was learning in Frankfurt Ballet. It wasn't that I was trying to replicate what, but I was trying to, and I was also starting to t- kind of toy with the idea of choreography, um, but I did not, I was not aware of that at that time. I think I was so influenced by the the strength and the value of what Bill was doing. But the thing about working with Bill is that he, most people coming out of the company went on to become choreographers because he created such a sense of responsibility in the company. He pushed us to build a lot of our own vocabulary, to generate a lot of the the work, he would change pieces while we were in them. So we walked out of that company really with a sense of independence, which I find one of his greatest gifts as a director is that he only pushes you to become more of who you are and your authentic person. So that's an amazing gift. I mean, oh. I, that's an amazing, it, it's an amazing insight into Forsyth himself, mm-hmm. but also an amazing gift to give so many of you. Mm-hmm. And you're right, many of that generation of dancers uh, have gone on to be very important choreographers and artistic directors for the younger generation. Yeah, and he's, I mean, I think it's a gift to know how to attract certain talent for your world. And I mean, Bill also, too, one of his signatures is the fact that he's a fantastic director of theater and not just a stepmaster, that he actually has that ability. So he has an enormous amount of, I mean... There's very few people in the dance world that have that kind of trajectory of a of a, of a career. But all I'm this is trying to imagine that day when you went into his office and told him that you were leaving. Yes, it was tricky. <laughs> it was very tricky because actually in Germany, which some people may not know, is um, so I worked for the city of Frankfurt. Right. I was a city I employee. Yeah, I had right. 13 months' pay and I had two pensions, and I also had to tell the company a year before that I was going to leave. And if I did that any later, then part of my pension would not have been the there would have been some – I had to have approval of that. So when I walked into Bill's office, I wasn't telling him a year in advance. So I was – there was a concern that he may – you know, that might become complicated. And the first thing he said was exactly what I thought he would never say, and he said no. Uh-huh. You can't leave. And I thought, this is ridiculous. He has a zillion dancers, you know, lining up. But I think it was just – it was tricky at first because I think it was hard for him to imagine that we would go anywhere else. But after that moment, then, you know, he's been nothing but incredibly supportive. I mean, now being a director, I completely understand 
what he, when he said that because when he had put so much time into me and given me so many opportunities that I knew that there was still more time I could have done, but I was deciding to move on. And it's hard when you spend that kind of time with a dancer and you motivate and you challenge them and you give them opportunity to see them go. Mm-hmm. It is very mm-hmm. – so um, there I was uh, looking at what my options were, contemplating, you know, quitting – and I couldn't quite do it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go to Vancouver. I'm going to reconnect with John Elaine, who is a Ballet BC. And um, I started to dance with Ballet BC. And at the same time, I was running a company for, for teenagers at Arts Umbrella. At Arts Umbrella. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that was a lovely five years with the company. And it was right when John was starting to, I mean, I was part of one of his first, I mean, full, he was going back to the full length. Um, so I think Fairy Queen was probably one of the first creations which that I did. Which came to the National Arts Centre. Which came to the National Arts Centre mm-hmm. and then followed by Orpheus. And so it was it was a really wonderful time for John and the company and I felt very um, honoured to be a part of it. And I had always, as as someone uh, living in Canada, I had always looked at Ballet BC and admired it as being one of the you know leading contemporary ballet companies that we had in the country. Been watched, had watched it at Harbour Front for a number of years. So I was... I was I was aware of Ballet BC and and felt very strongly about the value of it. So it was it was great to be there during that time. You were also there at the peak, in many ways. Yeah. Did you start to choreograph with Ballet BC? No, it was actually Jean Gromet, director of um, artistic director of Alberta Ballet, that gave me my first commission. It was a piece for seven men uh, for seven men, and. Uh, yeah, and that's now Jean Gramet, during my my time during that time of John Alain, of course, John Alain also brought Jean Gramet in to yes. do a piece for the company. Is that how you guys first met? Yes, actually, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was him. He. I was not in the piece because I think I was. I had just kind of joined the company, but I remember Jean hanging out and working on his work. And but I actually think I believe I met Jean at the National Ballet of Canada when he did one of the choreographic workshops. I think okay. that was my first time, but I had not worked with Jean there. And how would you describe the language of Jean Gramet, let's say, and the language of John Alain, two mm-hmm. choreographers you've danced with? I mean, we've talked a lot about Forsyth's approach. What was mm-hmm. what was their respective what were their respective approaches like? Oh, that's oh, that's that's a tricky question. I think both as as many con- choreographers today who have a ballet vernacular to be working with. I mean, Jean went, uh, John, Elaine, I had worked with a number of times at the National Ballet of Canada when he was the resident choreographer. And I, he went from doing very um, more contemporary works to also then going into what was this model of a, a story ballet of the full length. And I think almost went a little bit more into the neoclassical vein in a way as he kind of went further into his career. John always was very um, was always researching the emotional expression within the within the classicism and trying to push that in more contemporary ways. Jean, I think, also has it. They both have a tremendous amount of um, emotion within their work. Uh, Jean is fascinated with also the um, the theatricality of the storytelling, and but they both have a very interesting way, very very different um, languages, um, but still very much. Uh, rooted in the classical vernacular. Do you think that a dancer that is, I'm thinking about you at that time and what you're just saying about each of these choreographers and the way that they work, do you think that a dancer is trained to really be able to be supple and, Mm -hmm. and 
to be able to have that kind of flexibility emotionally and physically to respond to such a different approach from each of these artists and I, many I, other artists that come into yeah, the companies? Yeah, it's a, it's a that's a very interesting question. Because these are not companies that are like the contemporary dance milieu, um, contemporary dance model, excuse me, where there's the one choreographer and, you know, all the no. dancers are no. becoming yep. a Karen Jamison dancer yes. or, a, you know, a Sylvain Mar dancer. Yes. We're talking about a repertory company. Yes. And so how does the, how do you as a dancer respond to that? I'm sure it's something you think about today in your own directorship. But. Absolutely. That's a, there's a bunch of things that you're that's making me think of. Um, there's a lot of things I'm thinking about when you ask that question. The first one is I think today dancers are also being trained to some degree very differently. They're being spo- exposed to a lot more. I mean, you're coming out of ballet schools too and you have to know how to improvise. You have to know how to generate ideas. You have to have an incredible technique, one that's very fluid, very organic. At the time that I was coming out of the school, I think we – we're still working out how to work with choreographers when we were in company. So it was happening in our professional career. But a lot of these kids are coming out of schools now already having some of those tools That's in advance. You cannot be in a ballet company without being able to work very intimately with a choreographer. Or you will have a very limited, I think, in my opinion, type of career if you don't have that ability. So for my generation, and I think previously, we were working ideas out as we were working with a variety of choreographers. So a dancer was working, learning how to be supple, learning how to open up, learning how to let, you know, like any great musician um, or dancer, to learn how to surrender their technique so they can surpass it and actually um, get to... Um, it's a big question about form. A lot of choreographers today, and this is something that I learned with Bill, but a lot of people are fascinated with this, and John was working with this, and Jean that you're not being dictated by what something's by a form, by an idea. A lot of choreographers are not saying, this is the step I want you to do and this is the count you're going to do it on. A lot of people are fascinated. Well, what happens if you fall and turn and twist and jump and then say so, and, and then and do it on a six count? What's that going to look like? And so you're having to generate movement invention and the idea of the possibility of something and then you're shaping it. Then you're structuring it. And was so, that the case with both John Alain and Jean Grammet? Yes, absolutely. And, and, but depending on the type of work we were doing, sometimes if it was a more abstract piece and there would be certain elements conceptually that they were trying to investigate, sometimes it was a musical directive, sometimes it was a story. The one thing that John was very, very interested in the time when we were working on Fairy Queen, I never thought I would dance Puck. Never in my life I thought that would be a role that would come Fairy towards Queen, me. Fairy Queen, of course, is based on? Is based on the Midsummer Night's Dream. Thank you. Yes. So Puck, of course, is a very crazy comical character. Right. And being a woman and being 5'11", just never crossed my mind that <laughs> that would right. happen. For our viewers who aren't seeing you, you are 5'11". That's which right. Course I love. What's your shoe size? I want to know. Um, nine and a half. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. I'm 5'11", and we're 12. So there you go. I'm envious of you. All right. So back to, back to you. <laughs> so John was... He wanted to let go, as I think a lot of contemporary ballet choreographers, this idea of having to use the mise-en-scene in order to, to follow through with the story and was really trying to investigate how do you put storytelling within, to, in, within the choreography, uh, not unlike you know, the great masters like John Neumeier or, and, or Cranko. Um, so lots that, of Johns here. There's lots of Johns, Neumeier, yes. Cranko, Cranko Alain, Jean Grammet. Wow, yes. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, so it, it was a fascinating time and it's still something that you know, I'm very curious about and that's part of the reason why I'm fascinated with bringing in Jose Navas right now with Ballet BC to, to kind of put our um, put the company into a, a creative process of taking a classical story and turning that into a more contemporary perspective. But at the time, you're, tr- you're, you're being asked to do this commission and you have to also find your own language. You know, you've worked with all these choreographers. You've been this supple dancer. You've, mm. you've learnt how to go from structure to improv mm. and back again. When do you figure out what your language is as a choreographer? It's tricky, and it's also tricky 
if you're a ballet choreographer, and this is something I'm very curious about now, being the director of Ballet BC, is if you're going through the you're you know a contemporary dancer, and you might go on to university, and you're in something like Juilliard, or where you're actually getting choreography courses, or ballet choreographers, they're they're training often, if you're not participating in choreographic workshops, is the piece that you're working on. You're out there on a large stage with an orchestra and you are trying to find your voice. And sometimes, most of the time, you're not working with a group of dancers that are your own. You're working with a new group of dancers each time you do a commission. So you'll walk into a company and if you're lucky, you get more than two weeks, but most often you'll have two weeks. Within those two weeks, you're being introduced to a, a group. You're trying to build a language with them. You're trying to find that kind of nuance between who they are and where you're at. Um, that can be very tricky uh, and uh, to find that kind of um, harmony between what is your idea right at that moment as a choreographer. So I think getting back to your question about how do you find your own voice, it's it's through a lot of – there's a big discussion about association, about, you know, you know, who you've trained under and, you know, a lot today. I mean, are there really any new pieces? Are there any new ideas? And the, I feel really strongly in the sense of not negating who – where our heritage comes from. Yes, you're, when you see certain choreographers, you're going to know they worked with Yuri Killian or Mats Echt or William Forsythe, and we shouldn't deny allowing those people to show their training. I think there's a difference to say of, of saying, I worked with these people, I learned this from them, and I'm now taking it into, I'm taking that part of that training into what I'm saying and being aware of it, and then there's appropriation. And I think that's our job as choreographers to make sure we know the difference and that we're taking the responsibility to make sure that we're developing our craft and that we have institutions that are supporting choreographers. Um, and that's a big question, I think, and I really love the fact that we have things like the Canada Council and something like the, the National Arts Centre that's, you know, commissioning but also presenting a number of companies where you're able to see young choreographers have the ability to actually develop because it's only by the process of doing it. We don't have a lot of opportunity for choreographers right now to sit in research. That's moments. very true. That's very and true. And that so, is... And, and you're right. It is a lot of trial and error. Just just do you, do you remember what that felt like for you? Were you... I mean, there you are. You're being asked by Jean Comet to come in and make what it sounds like is your first big piece yeah. on a major ballet company yeah. and show that to audiences in Calgary yeah. and in Edmonton and beyond. Do you remember was, what that felt like? Well, it was, it was daunting. At the same time, I was, I love, I have always loved having a direct uh, learning curve going upwards. I think that's part of the reason why I was fascinated with Ballet BC. But I, I remember, um, it's been very important to me, but I think this is different for every choreographer, Kathy, that I always wanted to make sure that the dancers at the end of the day look good, though. I didn't want to create such a crazy score where they would just be so uncomfortable. So it was really important to me that, and I am a kind of a type of choreographer that I think is that a lot of people are, is that I really require the, the participation of the dancer I'm working with to generate the idea. I am not asking them. I'm, I can create all of the steps. I can create all of that and ask them to, to take it on. But I'm much more fascinated by working with them. So I needed to really get to know those dancers very quickly. But to me, the most important thing is that I'm very aware of the, the artists that I'm working with, and I meet them halfway. That I don't just go in there and say, do this, do it this way. And if they can't, then, you know, that the, that the work is somehow sacrificed by that. So it was challenging, but it was also incredibly um, uh, nourishing being able to take to work on a on another level creatively that I hadn't been had hadn't had the opportunity it was a huge push also just as far as taking responsibility on all of a sudden 
my role was very, very different. I was no longer, I didn't get to control it at the end like I do as a dancer, getting out there and being able to perform it. You almost as have a, to let go of it to Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's more nerve-wracking personally to be a choreographer because as soon as, or director for that matter, when you step away, the work is completely in, in the performer's hands. But one thing led to another. I mean, there's a very long list of work. I'm, I'm looking here. You worked with Alberta Ballet, mm-hmm. Cedar Lake, mm-hmm. Ballet Augsburg, Ballet Mannheim. Mm-hmm. You made a wonderful project with Giacondo Barbuto, mm-hmm. who was a former dancer with Le Grand Ballet. This mm-hmm. is, you know, one piece after the next. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're, you're on a roll here. You're making mm-hmm. work. You're, you're honing your craft. Mm-hmm. Was that, did you feel, okay, I found my niche, this is it, I'm going to continue to Mm. be this freelance choreographer, Mm. or did you feel, I need a home? Did the home find you, or did you find the home? (laughs) There were two things going on. I was, so I started, once I left Ballet BC, I I became a freelance, focused on being a freelance choreographer, and these wonderful commissions came my way, and, you know, being a part of Cedar Lake at the beginning, and its second rendition was fa- fascinating and I'm fantastic. So to, to, to be able to see that we brought so many of these yes, companies. Yes, it's, yeah. it's very exciting. Um, it was really, really wonderful. And um, I also was able to be introduced at that time to Margie Gillis, who started to mentor me, and, and that's when I was doing solo work. And so my self as a dancer was taking on another uh, kind of another dimension and, and Margie brought it. Where you were the dancer and the choreographer. Yes. And she was, yes, and she was honing, helping me hone my craft as a performer. I mean, Margie's able to describe the idea of performance in a way that I think very few people can. She can talk about that in those unknown places that we just say, That's you either have it or you don't, but she can actually sit in a room and and discuss it like it's this thing you can touch. And um, it was a fascinating, and to this day, she's still a huge, a huge mentor for me. But so then I was slowly developing myself as a choreographer. But I was, I wanted to start a company, Kathy, but I was really hesitant. I said, you know, there's such a tremendous success rate in our country of project-based companies that do really well. I mean, I can name a, a lot of them. I mean, I'm thinking of Marie Renard, Edward Locke, Crystal, Wenwei, um, I mean, there's tons. There's uh, Sylvain Amard. Um, but I did not feel that as a choreographer, that is what I wanted to do, that that was the sole thing that was my direction looking forward. I think now that I look back on my life from a very, very early age, I knew I wanted to direct. And I was very, very hesitant to actually allow myself to feel that because I would not have known at that time exactly how that would have turned out. So I battled a lot about seven years into my freelance career going, okay, I want to direct, but really the only option here is if I start my own company. Starting my own company would mean basically that it's going to be my own work. I really want to work in supporting other people's choreography. I'm fascinated by the dramaturgical aspect, the curatorial aspect of looking at other people's work, developing artists, developing the environment for people to excel. I love studying potential and what is talent. There were just so many things that fascinated me, as well as also creating work. And I thought, okay, that's a, that's a larger company. That's potentially a repertory company based on a number of different people's creative voices. Well, there already is Ballet BC in Vancouver. So, And in the country, where else would... I mean, this is a greater thing to put together. And then I thought, you know, logistically, the funding, that's not going to be something. So I'm really looking at trying to become a director. And as a woman, and at that period in my... I mean, that just didn't seem like a reality that was clear. And so I opted not to start my own company because I thought there were too many other people doing it really, really well. And um, that's where the support needed to go. So, but I knew that there was something inside of me that wanted to direct. (laughs) 
That's all for this second edition of NEC Dance with Kathy Levy. Please send us your comments and questions by email at necpodcasts at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to NEC Podcasts at nec-cna.ca forward slash podcasts. You can also find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NEC podcasts at necpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.